This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, family of God. You are blessed of the Lord. All of you in Johannesburg and in the overflow. God bless you. We love you. And so proud of you all. Thank you for coming to church today. You are going to be so thrilled that you are here. So from Pastor Bev and from me, praise the Lord. Today we are going to be continuing part two of our series, mini-series, three parts, titled, The Cross Purchased Our Dominion. Say that, please. The Cross Purchased our, my, dominion. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so this is part two. If you missed part one, please watch it online. It is very powerful. You need to see it. All right, let's begin. Take your Bibles out and your notebooks and your pen. Most Christians are sincere with God. But most Christians are very weak in their Christianity. This is because they don't know what God's Word says about them. They do not know what God's Word says about them. And because they never dared to confess what God's Word says about them, they have never dared to confess that they are what the Bible says they are. They never confess what the Bible says they have. In fact, many Christians confess defeat and failure or lack. And by doing so, they give the devil, Satan, control over their lives, over their circumstances. Pastors who do this from the platform to try and be relevant are making their congregations vulnerable to Satan's influence over their lives. Pastors are doing this. They are confessing their weaknesses, their faults, their flailings to their congregations all the time nowadays, trying to be relevant, trying to show their congregation, hey, I'm one of you. I don't think that's the way to do it personally because in confessing all that doubt and belief and the problems of life that you're going through, you actually give the devil influence over your life and over the, the congregation's lives. I do not believe in telling the congregation about any challenge that I'm facing in my life. I do believe in giving my testimony once I've gone through the challenge, once I've conquered it with my faith, I can share with the folks how I did it, what happened, and so on, and then give God the glory. Or if I make a mistake and I make the wrong choice in life, I can tell them what the result was and then what happened and how I believe God to overcome that problem. If I talk about my problems, they will get worse. No doubt about it. And I cement, I cement the problem into my life. 
uh, get a pour concrete on the problem. If I talk about the mountain, it will grow. So that if I talk about the mountain, it will grow. And if I talk to the mountain, it will go. So that if I talk to the mountain, it will go. If my faith wasn't strong enough, I would call on certain people to stand with me in faith. That's the way to do it. If you're not succeeding in your faith, call on someone to stand with you in faith and discuss it with them and then use your faith together. Because Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said this, Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So when we gather together to agree in prayer, Jesus is always there with us. He's always in us anyhow. <clears throat> so talking about the problem will not solve the problem. Talking to the problem will solve the problem. I never recommend going around talking about your problems to other people. I don't believe that's a good idea. Trying to be relevant, I don't believe it's a good idea. That's just a modern trend that some preachers have adopted, trying to create favor with the people, they don't realize it weakens the faith of the congregation because they begin talking about their problems and they give the devil authority over those circumstances. Remember, Jesus said you have what you say if you believe it in your heart in Mark eleven twenty three. And God said to us in Numbers 14, 28, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do unto you. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. All right, let's change gears here now. The Lord Jesus Christ is our substitute. We discussed that in part one. But there's more to talk about regarding Christ being our substitute. Whatever God did for Christ in his resurrection, God did for us. We learned about that. And whatever God did to Christ in his resurrection, God did to us. Let's prove this now from the word of God. Here we go. When Christ was crucified, you were crucified. Colossians 3 verse 3. For you died when Christ died. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, it says, If one died for all, then all died. So yes, you were crucified when Christ was crucified. And when Christ was buried, you were buried. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him. And when Christ came back to life, we came back to life. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
or sins. God made us alive, made us alive together with Christ. So yes, we were made, we came back to life when Christ came back to life. And then when Christ was raised up, we were raised up, according to Ephesians 2 verse 6, and raised us up together. And when God seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places, he seated us in Christ at his right hand at the same time. Because Ephesians 2.6 says, And God made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And Ephesians 2.10 says, For the born-again man is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Praise God. So you can see he is our substitute. When he was crucified, we were crucified. When he was buried, we were buried. When he died, we died. When he raised up from the dead, we were raised up. When he, when he came back to life, when, we raised, when he was raised, we were raised. When he was seated, we were seated. He did all that in our place for us and our behalf. In other words, we got all that as if we did it. But we didn't. He did it. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. So the born-again man, then, is God's workmanship. Say that. The born-again man is God's workmanship. Clearly, we can see it's God's workmanship, right? It wasn't our plan. It was his plan all along. The resurrection of Christ was the creation of the new Adam. Say that with me. The resurrection of Christ was the creation of the new Adam. God was bringing forth a second and last Adam who would give birth to the new creation, a new species of being in the earth. So just like the first Adam bore multitudes of people in the earth, and we are his descendant, if you're born on the planet, that is. Just the same way, we are descendants of the second Adam. We learned that last week, if you're born again, you are descendant of the second Adam, Christ. So this, I am an exact duplication of, Christ, of the Christ kind. Say this, I am an exact duplication of Christ's kind. Now I say this, I am born of the second Adam. Praise God. Now Ephesians 5.30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So that I am a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. It can't be clearer than that. 1 Corinthians 6.17 But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now say that I am joined to Christ, therefore I am one spirit with Christ. 
So you see, your body and spirit, one with Christ. Christ. Jesus is the head. You are the body of the one man. Jesus is the head. You are the body of the one man. There's no Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. You're all one body with one head, one man. Ephesians 2.6, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. One with Christ Jesus, not me. So raise your right hand and say this, please. Because I am in Christ, I am a new creation. That is how God sees me. This is what God paid for at the resurrection. Praise God. Now go to Ephesians 1, verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now this is Paul the Apostle writing to the church. Bear in mind this is an unction of the Holy Ghost. So this is the Spirit of God praying for us through Paul. You got it? Right. 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, knowledge, understanding, flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future God has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance God has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. Hmm. He wants us to understand how incredible his power is that is available to us who believe him. And he goes on to tell us how great it is. He says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So he's telling us the power that's available is the power that raised Christ from the dead. So you could say this. Say this, God will do for me anything I ask equal to as much as the raising of Christ from the dead. 
In other words, there's no limit what God will do for us. That's the power available. That's what he told us right here. They raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above, Christ is far above any ruler or authority, far above any power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. So he's far above, he's nothing close. He is far above. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Say that God has put all things under the authority of Christ. So all the armies of the world, all the armies of the nations, all the presidents of the world, all the kings of the world, all the navies, all the air forces, all combined, and all Satan's power, and all the demon's power, all combined, and all the angel's power, all combined, can't compare to the authority and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are under him. When God says all things, God means all things, because that's what all things mean. God put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has this startling truth. And God gave Christ this authority for the benefit of the church. He gave Christ this authority for the benefit of the church, for you. I'll let that penny drop for a minute. Think about this, family. Christ was, a, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, was the creator of all the universe. He was fine in heaven. But he left heaven, took on the form of a man. He slipped inside a body provided by Mary, walked the earth, his name, his name Jesus, and then died in our place as a man. He came here for us. He did all that on our behalf. And rose from the dead. Everything he did and all that he conquered and won, he did for you and me. That's what the Bible says. God gave Christ authority for the benefit of the church. Because he did all that. He won all that for our benefit. Not for when you get to heaven. You're not going to need it there. It's for today. It's for now. It's for now. It's for this hour and for the hour to come. We need to meditate on this. Get it into your heart, child of God. What are we doing with all this power? What are we doing with all this authority? Are we doing anything or are we just sitting around like a bump on a log? Complaining. How can we be so stupid and still breathe? I mean, think about it. With all this power, complaining and whining. Okay. Verse 23, and the church is his body. 
you are his body. So this, my body is Christ's body. So this, this body is Christ's body. So this body cannot be sick. I refuse to let Christ's body, the Christ's body does not have sickness. I resist sickness in the body, from this body. It's the body of Christ. It cannot, Christ cannot be sick. Talk to yourself. Christ cannot be sick. I reject sickness. I resist it. I resist pain. I resist infection. I resist disease. I resist cancer. You are the body of Christ. It is filled by Christ, who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Wow. So let's say that together. What God was doing for Christ and to Christ at the resurrection, God was doing to me and for me. Because I'm one with Christ, part of his body, Therefore, I can use Christ's authority as if it were my own authority. I will reign in life. I will reign over Satan. I will reign over demons. I will reign over circumstances and the spirit of Antichrist. Praise God. You see, if Abraham had not confessed I'm the father of many nations, Isaac would not have been born. And Abraham would never have had become the father of many nations. God said to him, you are the father of nations before Isaac was born. I'm changing your name to father of many nations. And that's what Abraham means in the Hebrew. So he went around saying, I am Abraham. I am father of many nations. And he could have gone around saying, I want to be the father of many nations. I hope to be the father of many nations. One day I'll be the father of many nations. You wouldn't be saved if that was the case. None of us would be here. Jesus wouldn't have been born. If he didn't confess, I am the father of many nations, Jesus would not have come to the earth. Could not. Isaac would not have been born. If we don't confess that we are a new creation, we'll never become a new creation. We, we are one, but we won't experience it. God gave this authority to Christ for my benefit, so that God gave all this authority to Christ for my benefit. That's the new creation, family. That's who you are. That's how God sees you. That's what God paid for you through Christ to have. So I hope no one's going to leave here today saying, I need to go find myself. I don't know who I am. I'm leaving home. Like one woman did, I heard about. She said, I'm, I don't know who I am. I'm going to go find myself. She left her husband and two teenage boys and went in search around the world Find who she is. All she needs to do is give, give her life to Christ and come join us here and listen to this message to find out who she is. It's what God says we are that matters. The devil's going to lie to you. Don't believe that. If we don't confess that we are a new creation, never will become one. 
God gave this authority to Christ for my benefit, and that's the new creation. That's who I am, that's what God sees me to be, and that's what God paid for me to have. Go to Ephesians 2.1. Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, obeying Satan. The mighty prince of the power of the air. See, he's the mighty prince of the power of what? The air, the atmosphere. He is the spirit. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, watch this, God gave us life. When? When? When He raised Christ from the dead. 2,000 years ago, when Christ rose from the dead, God gave us life. Now, all those poor people out there now who don't know Christ, they're dead in their sins, but you know that they have life, the life of Christ waiting for them, paid for. It's theirs. It belongs to them. They don't have to burn the fires of hell. They can accept this life. It can rush into them and take them to heaven with us one day. It is a, it's only by God's special favor that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. Now say this, please. What the Father did for Christ at the resurrection, he did for me, because we are one. I want to get that into your heart. That's why I'm repeating it over and over. Christ has been raised to the right hand of the Father, this represents the position of supreme authority in both heaven and the entire universe. The fact that he's sitting at the right hand of God represents the position of supreme authority. And it says his work is temporarily suspended. He has completed his assignment. He's sitting down. And we have been seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father. Because of this, we are, because of this, we have total access to all the authority of Christ. Because you're seated in Christ, representing you have all his authority. Why? To enforce the plans and purposes of God in the earth. So that I have all Christ's authority. Again, I have all Christ's authority to enforce the plans and purposes of God in the earth. Say this. Raise your hands. I have not been given all this authority just to watch the devil run amok in our country in my family, and do whatever he wants to do. 
So the soul will not sit back and complain about what the devil is doing. Say this, I will talk to those demon spirits that are working through the ignorant people. I will command those demon spirits with the authority of Christ to resist, uh, to desist in their maneuvers and cease in their activities. When I see people, say this, when I see people do things and say things, that go against God, I will speak to those demons that are working through those people and command them to stop. Say this, I will claim God's mercy over those people and I'll claim their salvation. Carry on. I will claim them out of Satan's kingdom and out of his control. I understand when people say things to deliberately hurt me, it's not the people, but the demons working through them that causes that. Thank you. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are seated together with Christ. This speaks of the completed work of Christ. We are seated in the finished work of Calvary. We must rest in the victory that Christ won for us and that he conquered for us. He conquered death, sickness, pain, poverty, took us out of Satan's kingdom, and he resurrected us. We must rest in this completed work. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. This is what God paid for at Calvary. That is who you are. That's the new creation. This is who you are right now. That's the way God sees you, child of God. That's what God says about you. God said to Abraham, you are the father of many nations. He said that, as I said before, Isaac was born. Let us keep meditating on the scriptures in this mini-series. For this is what God says about you. And from this seated position in heaven, in Christ, we are called by God to reign in life. We are to further the cause of Christ in the earth. This authority has not been given to me to live a selfish life, a pleasure-seeking life, but to bring about the plan and purpose of God in the earth. And I would encourage you to pray in the Holy Ghost and use the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus and pray in the Holy Ghost at home, in your fellowship groups. And let's move 
the ball towards the goal line. Come on Tuesday night to our prayer meeting. We have phenomenal, powerful revival prayer meetings every Tuesday night right here. Come along and be part of it. You will be so blessed. We are talking about two different things. One, I'm talking about how Satan is establishing currently the kingdom of the Antichrist in the world today. Explaining that step by step, going back 200 years and unfolding things. And that's the reason why we need to pray to stop it. So then I'm teaching on spiritual weapons we have. And then we apply those weapons and push Satan's kingdom backwards in intercessory prayer. So if you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, please be here. Choose the night. And then next Sunday, we'll finish off this mini-series. I'll carry on with this and finish off next Sunday. Uh, actually, no. Next Sunday is a great healing meeting, isn't it? Yes. Next Sunday is a great healing meeting. We're going to have a great healing meeting next Sunday. Miracles, signs and wonders, and demons coming out. I'll be talking about uh, um, demonic, uh, how to deal with demons, cast them out, and demon activity. Uh, this is going to be part uh, three or four in our series. We do one a month, right? This is going to be it. Very important. Don't miss it. Bring folks who need prayer and deliverance to the meeting next weekend. And then uh, tonight, we have a great service right here, so don't miss that. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know where you're going when you die, you'd like to go to heaven, but you're not sure. I'm going to pray a little prayer. And God's going to speak to your heart right there where you're sitting and give you the assurance that you are forgiven, you are God's child, and you are going to heaven. He'll put that in your heart today, if that's what you want. But you must invite Him to do it. Invite Him to do it. He won't force His way into your life. Otherwise, He would have done it by now. So how do I invite Him? When I count to three, put your hand up. And that will indicate to God that you invite Him to do that for you. All right? I'm counting three now. Stick your hand up, and then I'm going to pray. One, two, three. All right? I see those hands raised. Put your hand up now. See those hands raised all over. Thank you, Jesus. Keep those hands raised. Now, somebody's coming to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. Go ahead, leaders. Put your hands on their shoulders right now. Praise God. Keep those hands raised. Now, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing here. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are for prayer. Are you ready? Stand up where you are for prayer. Everybody, please, let's uh, show the Lord we mean business. I mean, he died naked on the cross for us because He wasn't ashamed. He loved us so much, naked, and people were mocking Him, but He died. They put a spear through His side, crown of thorns on His head, nailed Him to a cross, naked. He let that happen because He was driven by His love for you. It wasn't the nails that held Him there. His love for you held him there. And today, 
We're going to show Him we're not ashamed of Him either. We're going to stand up right now and let me pray for you standing. Amen? All right? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Say this prayer. Dear God in heaven, thank you for Jesus. He died on that cross in my place. You punished Him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus. Let's say it together. Please forgive me, Jesus, for all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save my life. I declare Jesus is the Lord of my life. I will live for you, Jesus, with all my heart till I see you in heaven. Praise God. Praise God, I'm saved. Praise God, I'm God's child. I am forgiven. I'm bound for heaven. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Love you all from Pastor Bev and from me. Jesus loves you. We are praying for you. And it's Mindar before we see you at celebration. God bless. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.